DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Spring LASIK sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses. Save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Time to welcome in Dan Devine, staff writer for The Ringer. He covers the NBA. Here come the playoffs. Dan, good morning. Good morning, guys. How you doing today? Doing well. Doing well. There is, as you can imagine, a lot of excitement here. There's a little bit of stress and a little bit of worry over Donovan <laughs> Mitchell's health. Also, everybody's trying to figure out, well, when we get to Friday night, who's the eighth going to be? Who are the Jazz actually going to end up playing? And are they going to get to the Western Conference Finals and beyond? I guess the first question for you is, to what degree do you believe in the Jazz in the West? Or you got them as like the fourth best team and, you know, good luck to them? Well, I think the, the hardest thing to, to sort of parse out with that is just who, what versions of these teams are we going to actually be seeing? You know, like if, if you lined everybody up uh, in 2K and turned fatigue and injuries off, I think, yeah, you might say the Jazz are, I don't know, what the third-best team in the West or something like that. You know, you would probably say a full-strength and healthy war uh, Lakers uh, right up at the top, and then everybody else kind of slots in. It might depend on sort of taste uh, beyond that. But what we have seen for the last four months, this has been the best team in the league, and it's been the best team in the league, you know, the most complete and balanced team on, on both sides of the ball. And they, there's, they have done nothing to be you know to to be bumped off of that pedestal they they have earned that position the question is and it's the burden of proof that every team has to have things things have not happened until they actually happen it was the warriors had to do it the cavs had to break through and do it you you have to see it even like you know lebron and his initial run in miami you have to actually do it before everybody will give you the flowers there's no reason to believe that the Jazz can't be the best team in the Western Conference and cannot go through this bracket and make it to the Western Conference Finals, have a chance to play for, the, for a Finals berth. It's just we have to see it happen because we've, in the, over the last handful of years, there's just always been sort of a final boss or a stylistic problem, something that they haven't been able to solve. I think they've done just about everything they can do shy of landing a LeBron or Kawhi or that kind of big wing playmaker, the, you know, queen on the chessboard type. They've done everything they can do but that. And now we find out if that's enough. I mean, I, I, it's funny to hear you say, like, there's great, there's great excitement, there's great stress, and there's great anxiety, and there's a whole lot of we don't know. I mean, if, what else sums up this NBA season any better than that? Like, there, there's so many things to be excited about, to be you know, to, to have enjoyed watching, but there's also still, even all, all this time later, so much unknown because you're still seeing teams just kind of get back together and welcome back, you know, uh, pieces that have been injured or guys that have been out of the rotation moving back in and developing rhythm, trying to find some time. And then the great unknown, of course, I mean, it's one of the big bummers of the play-in as it stands, is that you can go all season, be the number one seed in the East and not, and you're in the Western Conference, and not be uh, aware of who you're playing until the very end of the, of the line here. So um, I believe that the Jazz have done what they can do to put themselves in position to be a championship-caliber team. Now it's, you know, how the dice roll and how they tumble, and we're going to find out. So, Dan, reading your stuff at The Ringer, you list uh, your top five MVP candidates, and obviously Uh-oh. you have uh, Jokic there. Uh, you, you, but you give great uh, 
do to Gobert. You talk about Rudy, you talk about how all the positives, and you do have him as defensive player of the year, which I think means if you come to Salt Lake, you won't get run out of town. <laughs> I appreciate that. I mean, one of the uh, – listen, that is talking about blessings and curses. It's really it's, – it's wonderful that the league has, you know, seen fit to give me a ballot, like a, you know, a real honest-to-goodness ballot. It's wonderful to – it's a great responsibility. It's a, you know, a wonderful acknowledgement. It's also a heck of a lot of stress because you want to try to be as thoughtful as you can and try to, to, to not just – you know, this, this, these things matter for guys' legacies. They matter for guys' paychecks. They matter for a whole lot of different reasons. So you want to try to be as responsible as you can as a steward of it. Um, and for, yeah, for me, it's the, the only thing that, that, that's preventing Gobert from being a top five uh, vote getter in that situation for me is just I think that we've reached a point in the development of the NBA where, there, yes, there are two sides to the ball, and yes, defense is incredibly important. It's just not as important as offense is at this point right now. Maybe some rules changes shift the, the way that things work. Maybe the geometry of the court changes. There's a whole, a whole lot of ways that the game can be tweaked. But right now, Rudy Gobert is about as uh, like, basically the pinnacle of the kind of player he is as a screener, as a diver, as a sort of uh, the, the, the gravity that he has rolling to the basket, all those sorts of things. He's just not a creator on offense. And I think that that is the kind of player in this, in this version of the league that is most valuable. And so I think that's where you wind up with uh, you know, Jokic and Joel Embiid as a, a creator of offense and Stephen Curry and players like that that sort of elevate above that for me. But that is all to say you get five spots and there are dozens of incredible players in this league, and Gobert is certainly high, high, high up on that list. So as you pointed out, though, the Jazz do not have the wing player who is the queen on the chessboard. Now, defensively, I think Quinn Snyder feels like Rudy is that guy. Offensively, if they don't have that guy, right, because they don't have a LeBron and they don't have a Kawhi, but they might have the sixth man of the year, they might have... Mm -hmm the sixth and seventh man of the year. How much does Joe Ingles, as a bigger guy running the pick and roll, and Clarkson as just an unrepentant shooter? I mean, this guy, yeah, I missed five in a row, so what? I'll make the next ten in a row. You will be, yeah, I, I'm, I'm cold now, but you will be in awe of me in ten minutes. I mean, he just lets that last play go unlike anything we've seen. Can those guys offset, or it doesn't work that way? A group of guys can't overcome the power of the one in the big moment in the playoffs. Well, I think it can. You know, we we have seen examples in the past of teams that didn't have, you know, the the one dominant offensive uh, performer in the series be able to kind of make it up in aggregate with enough guys who can all make a play. Uh, you, know, now the, you know, the Raptors might not be the best example because Kawhi was there, but that was a team that did not win those finals against the Warriors, did not win uh, in the stretch of all those games just because Kawhi was elite. It was because everybody on the floor for them was able to make a pass-dribble-shoot decision and able to make something happen, able, able to get to their own shot. Even someone like you know, Serge Ibaka as a pick-and-pop threat or Marc Gasol being able to extend the play. Uh, you know, the, the, sometimes teams wind up being sort of more than the sum of their parts. And when you get really great parts, then you, gotta, you can have something special. And I think that's what we're seeing with Utah, where stylistically – Kind of whatever lineups are you, uh, the Quinn Snyder is able to put on the floor, there's always going to be 
three, four, maybe even you know, three or four at minimum players who can make that kind of next read, keep the, keep the ball moving, keep the chain moving, and then create something out of it. I think what we saw last year, the version that wound up, went out in the first round in the bubble, uh, was, you know, they obviously it was a, a difficult first season in Utah for Mike Conley, although he was playing a lot better at the end of the season. Um, he's been sensational all season long. You know, you're seeing uh, great versions of Gobert as a, as a sort of space creator, but also with Ingles being able to, to orchestrate, whether he's in the second unit or in the starting lineup. Clarkson just kind of gets to play his own offense when he comes in, but it's certainly effective. Um, you're, so the fact that you have uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, and not only that you have him, but he seems to have really been ramping up coming into the postseason is a huge addition for them. It's basically, can you have if you have those positional uh, uh, that stability and those advantages on a possession by possession basis at across the board can you add up enough of those to kind of make up for what you might be lacking in like one matchup where you, the other team has like the best guy by a significant margin and so that's i mean again with with the without the ability to have created one of those guys this is about as good as you can do i think i think the jazz have done a sensational job of building out the roster of trying to make it as multifaceted and varied in the way it can attack and play as possible uh, you know, there are always going to be people who, who will look at Gobert and say, well, that guy is, a, is just going to be of limited uh, utility at a certain point in a postseason series because there's going to be a possession where you're staring down Steph Curry 35 feet away from the basket on a switch and you're just in deep water and you've got to make the best out of it. I think that Gobert has gotten significantly better at doing that over the course of his career. I think he's about as good at that now as a player like him is going to get to be with, with his size and some of the limitations that will come along with that. And I think you know the, all you can do is put your team in the best position you can to have a chance in, against no matter who you're playing. And I think this version of the Jazz has done that. Whether it is going to be enough to win four series in a brutal Western Conference, that remains to be seen. But I think they've done just about everything they've can to put themselves there. So we are going to run you out of town for not having Clarkson as the sixth man, but we'll bring you back because you chose Joe Ingles. <laughs> <laughs> I try to make sure that if, uh, you know, it's like I give with, take away with one hand, but I give with the other. There you go. You know, Thank you, you. You you want to be fair fair and even in all things. Yeah, I mean, to me, that was just, if we had made this to, made those votes uh, halfway through the season, you know, it would have been Clarkson in a walk. It's just his, his, he had sort of hit that cold snap. He had, his shooting efficiency had dropped off. And if, you, if what you are bringing to the table is scoring in volume and in bulk, you got to be able to do it at a high enough clip where you're coming away with a lot of empty possessions, too. And I think uh, in those, towards the latter couple of months of the season, Clarkson dipped a little bit, although, again, ended the season on a strong run. And this, the, the way I think about the Jazz, what I think about them as a, as, a, as a team, the way they've operated when they are at their best, you kind of close your eyes, you think about what Joe Ingles does, right? It's, it's not always overwhelming, like, physical one-on-one dominance, but it's we're going to be clever. We're going to keep the ball moving. We're going to get to a, go from good to great. There's a lot of that San Antonio DNA in what they do, and so there's a, a, a similarity stylistically, maybe uh, you know, in a different bit of a uh, different kind of package, but to the way that Manu Ginobili would kind of be able to keep the offense running, coming in off the bench, right down to him being lefty, right, but um, or slot in as a starter when when you needed a little bit more juice in the starting lineup, and then everything kind of kept clicking into place. 
that's the kind of effect that I think Joe Ingles has on, on the second unit for Utah, and that's why, to me, at the final analysis, he kind of bumped up ahead. But certainly having two guys that are that kind of, that are that caliber of players and that operate in different ways that can come in and provide changes of pace off the bench is a, a, real, uh, a real boon to have this time of year. And it's also uh, a credit to the way that, again, the Dennis Lindsay and company built that roster where – you know, it's these were not. You know, Joe Ingles was uh, was playing in Barcelona. Anybody could have signed Joe Ingles and brought him in. Um, you know, Jordan Clarkson was you know way wasting away in Cleveland. Anybody could have had him. And to see the vision for what those guys could be you know, in a, a slightly different structure, surrounded by pretty much uh, by significant talent. Um, you know, you can't say enough about the job that the Jazz front office has done to construct this team. And yet, there's this nagging feeling among Jazz fans that LeBron is getting healthy at exactly the wrong time and that the Lakers are going to be the first seven seed to win an NBA title, and that this is really the 95 Rockets, and there's plenty of fans. Remember the Jazz having a 2-1 lead and losing that best-of-five series and watching the Rockets go back-to-back. Are we going to be living that nightmare again in Salt Lake City? Well, listen, I I can't... I can't fault fans for having that feeling. I can't, uh, you know, the, the A, again, you know, the, the, the demons only get exercised by actually exercising them, right? <laughs> Otherwise, they're just there. Um, you know, and sometimes you got to, you know, it takes some, you know, checking under the bed and in the closets to make sure the boogeyman's not in there. And sometimes you got to go in there with the bat and you got to take care of the boogeyman. And I think <laughs> that's kind of where we are with the Jazz right now. Like, the only arguments for why it's not going to work are that it hasn't worked before and that, previous versions of the kinds of teams they're going to face have been problematic for the Jazz. They've had trouble with Steph Curry teams in the past, although obviously everyone's had problems with Steph Curry teams in the past. They've had problems with with, uh, the Lakers before. Newsflash, everybody has problems with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. That's why you go get guys like that. Um, but what you have in, in Utah now, obviously you mentioned at the very top of this, the $64,000 question is just uh, what are you going to get when Donovan Mitchell gets back on the floor because he is – He's your answer to those questions of, like, when it gets down to the end of the game, who's going to create a bucket for us, who's going to go get something for us. It's Donovan Mitchell. And I think what you're hoping for is that you sort of are able to meld the best versions of what we've seen from this Jazz team over the past two years. The version of Donovan Mitchell that was an absolute flamethrower in the first round against Denver last season that was dominant for much of that series – and you're able to meld that with you. Now you get a healthy Bogdanovich. You get Gobert playing at the, uh, the higher level than he's ever played before. You get Clarkson and Ingles both at that kind of award caliber level. You get Conley as comfortable and as in rhythm as he's been since he got to Salt Lake City. You put all of that together, and that is what elevates you because it's not just one guy that's, that everything hangs on. It's that every it's like the rising tide lifts all boats. And so... Uh, I mean, if, you, if you're asking me, if, we'll see, well, yeah, a lot will depend on what, you know, what comes out of this next few days when you know, we'll see how healthy LeBron looks. We'll see how healthy Anthony Davis looks. We'll see how comfortable they seem, how, you know, how together and how cohesive that Lakers roster looks. Because, again, it's not, you know, while the, the, the big answer to that question is always if you have a healthy LeBron and AD, you've got a good chance against anybody in a seven-game series. There's also a lot of pieces that haven't quite fit together for that Lakers team. It's not the same team that was in the bubble. And some important guys have, have been out for them. They haven't had a whole lot of time with Drummond. Marc Gasol's been in and out of the rotation all season. They haven't really coalesced around lineups that, you know, you feel confident about. They were to return AD and LeBron with Kuzma and KCP and some of the guys that were part of that run. But there's still some questions to answer and some things to figure out. So 
I wouldn't necessarily say that that uh, it's you know you have to be terrified of the the monster under the bed there. I think, but I think it's you know what what Pop would always say is like appropriate fear, right? You know, and you have a lot of respect for what the what the Lakers are. But I think a lot of people around the league have a lot of respect for what the Jazz are too. So when I look at this, you know, I can make an argument probably that this is assuming that the seven seed, the Lakers win, beat the Warriors, and the Warriors beat whoever they play, and they get the eighth seed, that the seven and eight seeds might be the best seven and eight seeds ever when, when you look at that with, with literally Hall of Fame players on their rosters. So assuming that it holds the way we think that the Jazz would play the Warriors what degree of healthy Mitchell do you think the Jazz need just to get out of the first round? That's a great question. I, I mean, I don't know. I, it's hard to put numbers on it because, you know, what, what you're seeing from the Warriors now is a, they, you know, a lot of things kind of shifted for them when James Wiseman, their number two overall pick, was out, went out for the season. And, you know, no fault of his. He's a, you know, a really talented young prospect, but that moving away from him kind of clarified for the Warriors what they are and that that is a team that is built around Stephen Draymond you put you know a kind of a solid center in Kevon Looney in there who's been through the wars with the with those guys and knows how to play and they've tightened their rotation a bit they're just sort of they look more like a Golden State team and obviously that is a team that can that spreads you out that looks to push pace and play in chaos and that's something that uh, for a team that's like a, sort of as regimented and systemic as Utah can can be a problem. So all that to say, I think you. you I mean, the the offensive numbers for Steph have been off the charts, and for the Warriors when they've had Steph and Draymond on the floor have been sensational. So you're going to need to be able to score with them. And I think you know the if you have uh, you know, a fully operational Draymond Green along the back line, and you've got a defense that's tightened up with some of the wings they've been able to put on the floor in Golden State, you need someone who can be the locksmith in the half court and who can, who can you know uh, you know move through some of those tight coverages, find spaces, draw and kick. And I think that's Mitchell. It's it, it's it's got to be Donovan for there. So I don't know that it's necessarily they need to have him at 110 percent to get out of the first round, but. I think the, the challenge is that the, the version of the Warriors as they exist now is dramatically different from the one we saw for the first 40 or so games. So the cha- in order to solve some of the problems they can create, you need yeah, your best players on the court, you need your best players operating at a high level. I have no doubt that if Donovan's able to get through this sort of week-long, you know, the, the, the extended period of time that he's got to, to, to come back, get back on the court, and, and be, a, you know, be his, his, his customary self, his all-star self, um, I have no doubt that he's going to perform at a high level, uh, no matter who they throw at him defensively. But I think that's an, he's, an, he's obviously and arguably an important piece to be able to unlock the kind of defenses that you're going to see round after round in the playoffs. And the Warriors went 15 and five down the stretch, so taking Wiseman out obviously got them rolling. There's probably multiple reasons for that. Uh, I'm curious what you think. We had Tim Roy, the radio broadcaster for the Warriors, on, and he has been there for a long time. Right. And he said that this Jazz team reminds him of the Warriors. Uh, when they broke through and won their first title and they didn't have a lot of playoff experience, they'd won one series, only been in the playoffs twice. Uh, and then um, a guy who does uh, TV here um, knows uh, – who did he talk to, PK, at the Warriors? Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr. Mike Smith used to play for Celtics. Yeah, longtime Clipper broadcaster. And Steve Kerr said the same thing, that this Jazz team reminds him of that first Warrior team. Are the Warriors saying nice stuff, buttering the Jazz up, or is there a lot of truth there? <laughs> uh, 
maybe a little of column A, a little of column B. It could be both. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of that going around. LeBron was just going over there telling everybody that Steph's the MVP before the playing game. So maybe there's a little bit of, you know, killing with kindness in the early going of the, uh, the postseason here. But, um, no, I think there's something to that. You know, and we've seen... I think that there's the nature of this season and how jumbled up everything's been and how many top players have missed time with injuries and how many teams have had to sort of scramble and shuffle their rotations and everything. It's left kind of a void in terms of what we're typically familiar with at the top of the standings or in some of these bigger conversations. And those voids often get filled by teams that have you know, uh, an identity and cohesion and depth and sort of emerging young talent. And I think that it's fair to say that that, you know, Utah checks a lot of those boxes. Um, And there's, it's not just we are, you know, we hang our hat on one end of the floor and then the other end we just sort of hope for the best. The Jazz paired an already elite defense with a a changed and, uh, and augmented offensive approach that's, you know, spreading the floor out and firing away and or everybody is kind of uh, empowered to approach to play that way. Basically, everybody who's not a center is playing that way, and it 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 free it opens up the floor, it opens up the pace. It sort of it, there's a joyfulness to the style and to the uh, you know many hands make light work. Everybody's involved. That is, I think, very stylistically similar to what Kirk tried to kind of instill and what Steph has been as sort of like a, a beacon for in Golden State over the years. Um, the question is, is and obviously, of course, those Golden State teams never quite got enough credit for how good they were defensively, and Draymond's a big part of that. But very much, you know, similarly with Utah, like that, all all of the joy and all of the three point shooting has to be underpinned by something solid, and that is the defense that Rudy Gobert captains and that the, the you know Quinn Snyder has sort of built. So, I think that they they go about it in, in a little bit of a different way. There is not the one like Donovan Mitchell is special, but Donovan Mitchell is not has is not to this point in his career what Steph Curry even was at that point. You know that was as he's ascending into MVP status. Donovan Mitchell's a little bit below that kind of tier at this stage in his development, but um, they do it a little bit differently. But I think that the the results are are awful similar, and I think it, it if nothing else provides a really interesting test and sort of measuring stick for where. Utah is. I mean, I think the only thing stopping them from being in that top tier of teams is beating that top tier of teams. I know it's a very simple thing to say, it's very obvious, but it's the truth. Every check, every box you can check for how you put together a team, what kind of success you have during the regular season, how well you do offensively, how well you do defensively, how you fare against other top opponents, all of it. The Jazz have checked all those boxes. Now it's just time to do it when the bright lights are on and when the popcorn's popping, and now we'll find out. Dan, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. And uh, Jazz fans will check you out at the Ringer to see why you think uh, Ingles over Clarkson and uh, why Rudy's just the defensive player of the year and not the MVP. <laughs> I know. What, what, what slander to be just, just the defensive just, player right? of the year and not the MVP. Well, guys, thanks so much for having me on. And uh, I know that it is a, an exciting and stressful time. Deep breaths, everybody. <laughs> we'll get through this together. Dan Devine, <laughs> staff writer for The Ringer. He covers the NBA. Join us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Need a little of your guy, Marshall Mathers. Little Eminem and Eminem and uh, Rihanna, the monsters under the bed. I like that analogy. Sometimes you got to win the monster and go get him. Get a big stick. Go into the closet and get him. That's how you end the nightmares, PK. So you're referencing plain or peanut? Yes.
Well, I liked uh, referencing Jimmy Buffett. Wasted away again in Cleveland. (laughs) (laughs) Margaritaville, but you know, play on words. What a trade that was. Had no idea. Uh, it's, it's interesting. His he goes with Ingles as number one six man. Clarkson is number two, and they basically plucked both one out of way obscurity and yeah. one out of relative obscurity. Yeah, relative obscurity and total obscurity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Total obscurity is a better way to phrase it. Uh, and here they are being uh, integral parts. That's way cool. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone, and we've got Brian Taylor, Real Golf Radio, PGA Championship Preview. Coming up at 9 o'clock, Donovan Mitchell, what's he going to look like? How's he going to be when the playoffs start? We'll get to that next. Stay with us. Lob to Rudy. Oh, he packed it with the right hand. Produce three all-stars. Check. Oh, Donovan Mitchell. Win 51 games. Check. Earn the best record in the NBA in the top spot in the West. You are fabulous. Check and check. The regular season is over, and now the number one seeded Utah Jazz begin their quest for an NBA title. Let's go! When the Jazz take the court in the NBA playoffs, you'll hear every second of every game on your exclusive home. Welcome home of the Utah Jazz. 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK in the Morning is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. Question of the morning, what should we expect from Donovan Mitchell when he comes back? 45. Points? No, that's his number. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but we got people who are 50-point uh, shout-outs. They want Bubble Donovan. I don't think we're going to see I that. I thought you were downgrading Bubble Donovan by 10%, just giving him a little for the rest, you know. 45 for 45. That's those ESPN things, aren't it? No, those are 30s for 30s. Oh, okay. Don't want to downgrade it by 40%. (laughs) Get confused. Yeah, I think the bubble's out, uh, sort of uh, the anomaly for sure. But I believe in Mitchell. I believe he's a big-time player. I believe he's the bigger the moment, the bigger the player he is, the unfazed by it, actually gains more confidence internally because of the moment. Well, we know he's had a lot of first halves where he doesn't score very well. Maybe we should expect that for game one, right? Two points at the quarter, six points at the half. But that's the scrape the rust off portion of the game. And then the second half, the big moment, the adrenaline rush, whatever fatigue he's got because he hasn't played, but playoff adrenaline and the biggest crowd he's played in front of since the pandemic started and supposed to have 13,000 in there. That's awesome. Which would sound like a small crowd normally, but when you've played in front of 4,000, 13,000 is going to sound... Like a lot of people. Oh, I think thirteen is plenty big enough. That that's great. I'm I'm ecstatic that we're going to let thirteen thousand people into this building. They'll they'll have plenty of energy. Thirteen thousand, you'll get whatever you need energy wise from the crowd. They'll be way into it. This place will it'll be bursting at yeah, the seams. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I wish it was. Hopefully. I wish it was sold out. But uh, thirteen that that's more than anybody in the league. I saw something. What's that like seventy yeah. percent? Yeah. And uh, I saw the same most uh, teams aren't even coming close to that. So they'll have a, they already have a great home court advantage. Yeah, places, now it's even more so. Places like Portland that haven't had people in are going to be going to ten percent. I think the Lakers are in that ten to fifteen range somewhere. So I think that's a bump for them because they haven't had anything. Right. So anything is better than nothing. Obviously. Right. And the Lakers, Clippers, Warriors are all in a similar boat. Yeah. Exactly. Same state. And so I'm not really worried about that. The crowd will be electric. Uh, Mitchell, I, I have to see because this is nothing he's done. 
Missing a game here or there, that doesn't count. Missing no. a couple of ball games like That's, you did. Missing a game is, or two is totally different yeah. than missing five weeks. Yeah, that's a significant time. No, no doubt about it. That's that's a significant injury. Uh, but he's so young in that I expect the body, obviously, to bounce back quicker. But I believe in his ability to rise to the occasion. So even though he has some rust, as you say, I believe he, of all the players on the team, is most capable of regaining it as quickly as possible. So I feel very, very confident in that. If he suits up and says, all I, all I have to hear from him is says, have him say, I'm, I'm ready to go. That is it. That's all I need. I, don't, I have no doubt once he says that. It doesn't mean he's going to just light the world on fire because sometimes shots don't fall. But I, I really believe in this kid. And I believe it. You know, we talk about the quarterback with the it factor and all that stuff. I believe in basketball. That's You can translate it however you want, but I think it's relevant to a degree. It's a, it's a quarterback axiom. But I also think that, yeah, it was impressive. That was a big word. I rolled and my eyes out and of there. I, and I knew I was going nod. there, too. You I thought, did. Yeah, I, thought, I, I got a chance to use axiom. Sweet. I, I, I'm not sure in the 19-plus years we've been doing this, I hey, ever used, used the word. the word axiom. Yeah, that might I, be a new word. I feel great today. <laughs> no doubt about it. I'm it's gonna, a golf day. <laughs> I'm going to light it up in men's league. So, <laughs> Birdies everywhere, people. I believe this kid has it. He has that it factor. The bigger the moment, it sounds so ridiculous to say, to start throwing around Jordan and uh, Kobe. It does sound ridiculous. I'm glad you said that. Uh, but on his level. What does that mean? Well, he hasn't <laughs> been to the finals. He's been in the first round and in the second round. You know, remember that dunk he had against Houston off the offensive miss, right? Just wow. Yeah. And we've seen him. And we saw last year. So at his level, now he has to do it on a much higher level to right. get anywhere and near now those ex- guys. Finishing with the as the as the best record in the NBA demands that okay, you were better than you were when you were the five or the six seed. Now you got to be well, better definitely. in the postseason. And and all those big picture questions, while totally valid, I feel like Jazz fans right now are focused on. The first round, because of what you just said in the last segment with uh, Dan Devine, the NBA writer for the uh, Ringer. These are the best seven and eight seeds ever if the Warriors and Lakers emerge as the seven and eight seeds, regardless of which order they emerge in. You got Hall of Famers, multiple MVPs, multiple championships. I mean, they're not, they're not to the level of the Magic Bird rivalry. But I think they're to the level of Duncan and Shaq. And Magic and Bird, it was kind of a timing thing. You know, the league had been so far down. The league wasn't that far down for Shaq and Duncan or, or for these two guys. How but, many guys call themselves out like he did as a team? Not individually, but we're done with the first round, losing in the first round. Probably only a handful. And that's a handful that you want to be in. Yeah. That's the group you want to be in. That's where I'm going with that. Right. Yes. And so the thing is, and, and now I get you're at his level when you said that. I'm like, what does that mean? But as a guy who's been the best player in a team that's been a five and six seed, as a guy who's been the best player in a team who's been out in the first or second round, and as a guy whose team has been dominated 
by the top two teams in the conference, the Warriors and the Rockets. At the time, they were the top two teams and thing. But now, it's time for a different phase of his career in a different era. Now you're the one seed. And he's gone through that struggle. So in a sense, he's gone through it. He hasn't gone through Jordan, got to the conference final twice. Right. The last, before they won in 91, they lost, I think, in seven and in six to the Pistons, the mm-hmm. two prior years. Mm-hmm. So he's had, he had that classic another step. Okay, Mitchell hasn't gotten that high, but the team wasn't capable of getting that high relative to the competition that they were playing. When they lost, not aside from last year, but losing to the Warriors, losing to the Rockets, well, duh. With the talent you had on your club versus the talent that they had, they weren't going to win those games. So it's completely understandable. But to me, there's two things... Two things, two literal instances, we've already spoken about one, that really got me thinking, this kid has got it. I already gave you one on, we're done with the first round, and I'm going to give you the second one as long as you hold through the break. And well, I'm going to hold through the break, but they pay re- me to hold through the you'll break. You'll remember so that's it, and you'll remember it when I say it. Every one of our listeners will remember it. And it's, it's just a literal example, not a feeling. It's not intangible. It's completely, totally tangible. And everybody will agree with me when, in fact, it triggered an action that has changed things. Okay, but you glossed over something there. I don't gloss over anything. You did. No, you, I did not. You 100% did. The fetch did. I did. <laughs> the, I agree. The fetch you did. <laughs> And you glossed over it, and it will be painful. No. Unless he has the cheat code that one and possibly two other NBA players have had. The second one was kind of a gray area. The first guy definitely had the cheat code. Does Donovan have the cheat code? Do the Jazz have the cheat code? We'll get to that coming up. It's time for the Winter Golf PGA Championship giveaway. Be caller number 12 right now and see what player you get for this year's PGA Championship. 25 callers paired with the top 25 players in the world. The 26th qualifier will be assigned the field. If your assigned golfer wins, you'll win the same brand of putter that player has in their bag. Be caller number 12 right now at 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. It's brought to you by Uinta Golf, serving Utah golfers since 1971. Yak, who are we playing for? TBD. I'm currently working on that. Oh, he's working on it. All right. You know, I was just thinking with the field. Does the field ever win? And then I thought, wait a minute, the field won the PGA last year. Uh, yeah, they did win the field last year, yeah. Right? Yep. Uh, with Colin Morikawa. Yeah, now Colin Morikawa was, yeah, it's top 10 now, but at the time, he was the field. So, so the field can win. The field could pay off. All right. Yak's working on it. 855-340-ZONE. Be caller 12 right now. To Rudy. Oh, he packed it with the right hand. Produce three all-stars. Check. Oh, Donovan Mitchell. Win 51 games. Check. Earn the best record in the NBA in the top spot in the West. You are fabulous. Check and check. The regular season is over. And now the number one seeded Utah Jazz begin their quest for an NBA title. Let's go! When the Jazz take the court in the NBA playoffs, you'll hear every second of every game on your exclusive home. Welcome home of the Utah Jazz. 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. 
Hey, Yak, who'd you give away, just out of curiosity? Victor Hovland. Okay. Ooh, yeah, I like Victor. He was going to be one of my sleepers. I was thinking about it yesterday. Oh, really? For yes. the draft tomorrow? Yes, and I actually looked at that. I think I might surprise the guys by going with that. Of course, that's out. Won't be a surprise if I go with them. <laughs> well, <laughs> will be, it will be to Bob, but not to Here's me. my prediction. Round one. Somebody's taking Victor Hovland. He's pointing at me right now. <laughs> but I did look at him and thinking, I got to seriously consider. I was looking at some odds yesterday, and and I'm on a, the PGA email, and they send me all these stories in my email list. And so I was just looking feels like them. he's ready, huh? I was just looking through them. I mean, you never know. No. You don't. That's why I say feels like. I thought he might be a good pick. Because I don't want to just pick the same three guys every time. (laughs) Well, let's just pick the top ten players in the world. Right. All right, so uh, you had the big tease before the break. I'm going to remember this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what do you got? So to me, uh, setting yourself apart and putting yourself on notice and just the way you act and behave – we see we see what we see out on the floor, but I think there's other things that go into it. You got you know, just look at Jordan in the Last Dance. Look at his Hall of Fame speech. Guy who just had it right long after he was done playing. So the calling Donovan calling himself out and the team mm-hmm. were done with the first round. Mm-hmm. That was one, and the other thing when he blurted an obscenity, obscenity walking off the court about Harden getting the calls. Mm-hmm. That told me something, man. This guy's competitive. They're all competitive, but he's taking it up a notch. You remember that one? I absolutely remember that. They changed the rules. I was about to say, it changed the policy. Somehow they thought it was embarrassing. To me, it was no. It was right on. I thought it was awesome. I, I think what you had is there was a lot of change in the organization, and so they don't know what came before them, right? So one expletive, when Jerry Sloan literally, hundreds of them, one means nothing. (laughs) <laughs> We've all been desensitized to it. Jerry's first wife, Bobby, I talked to her once and I said, why are you sitting here? She sat, her seats were off the end of the floor by the visitor's bench, but she was on the side of the floor, uh, which was off the end, but more towards the side where Gail Miller sits. So she'd be up about eight rows and she'd be looking straight down the sideline. And if if the Miller family put their feet out on the court, you know where Larry and Gail sat, right? Put yeah, the feet yeah. out. She'd be looking right down the front of their toes, all the way down the sideline. Okay, so you get where she sat in the arena. And I asked her, "You, I don't know how to say this delicately, but like you're Jerry Sloan's wife, you could sit anywhere. Why are you sitting here? I mean, they were bad seats, but they weren't the best seats." And she said. Oh, I'm sitting exactly where I want to be. I'm as far away from his foul mouth as possible. <laughs> if I go any further this way, I'll be getting closer to him again. It irritated her how much he swore. And so for, for Donovan to drop one, I don't think any jazz fan that, that meant anything. Oh, I but, think they meant that it was great. Well, possibly, yeah. Okay, I'll give you that. Uh, but I just think there's so many people in charge, you know, you know from the front office through the coaching. Like they, they don't know that. They didn't live it. Right? And to the rest of us, we're like, mm, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I don't know what to tell but you. But I appreciate that he was furious about I that. I thought you were going to go to the moment in Detroit when he stalked over to the fan. You did that. Someone tells him that he's not good season, enough. Though. It was. It was. But it got, he was just all sorts of fired up. And that was great. Yeah. Just like, don't tell me I can't do it. Don't tell me I suck. I don't know exactly how they told him he sucked. But I think generally we all got the idea. But I don't really want player-fan interactions. That yeah, usually I get that. isn't good. <laughs> that can go horribly yeah. wrong. That can go horribly you wrong. You stay over here. And well, in that case, he kept the obscenity out of this. You did this. 
And he said it a couple and times and walked the other way. That was fine. Yeah. But I like the playoff thing off the floor because that's after the game when he did this. Yeah. And he still oh, was. Yeah, playing. he was. And he thought off Harden the floor was getting star calls, which he probably was. He was. Yeah. I don't even remember the particular circumstances, but we know he probably wasn't. Harden shoots a lot of free throws. Yeah, he, he always does. Has. Yeah, yeah. He was the one they had to change the rule for this holding the ball and sort of sweeping it and then yeah. getting three free three throws. It was ridiculous. Yeah. And so fortunately, they don't do that. So he was so furious. And that was a few years back. And he was even younger because he's still a kid at 24. And he was so furious about it that, he, that he's walking off the floor, floor to no one. He just blurts it out. And what, your guy Dane Green got it? And uh, yep. put it out there. And boom, then they move the people out of there. Fine. Yep. Do, do what you want. You got to worry about your public image. I've got no problem with that. I don't care about that. It makes no difference to me whatsoever. What mattered to me is Donovan Mitchell was so fired up. This guy's burning desire. I believe you can't, you can criticize me for saying, oh, putting him in the same breath as Kobe and, and, and MJ, the two greatest of the last uh, 20, 30 years, I think, in terms of burning desires to win. I can put Mitchell's burning desire and still have them put that his name in that paragraph. Not in accomplishments, but in desire. Yeah, I went to accomplishments when you said it. I was like, whoa, easy. So here's the thing. And Give me the even, thing. I want the thing. Even Kobe and MJ had to go through it, though. You get to the big stage where you're the only game of the night in the league. All eyes are on you. You get to a conference final. And obviously in the NBA final, you're the only night. You're, you're the only... Uh, game of the night as well. And the uh, the focus, the stage, who doesn't fail on that level before they succeed in the last 20 years? Steph Curry. Yep, he's the one. Everybody else. Clay Thompson. Everybody else. Draymond Green. <laughs> Andrew Bogut. Everybody yeah. else had to go through that. Now, if you go back, Duncan. The world's different now. D- well, you know, and I think specifically this year because the Zoom call is different than walking into a media room and having 10 or 15 minutes of whatever your official press conference is. It's different. There's an element of hype. They convert rooms that don't have to be converted to handle all the media. And the people the you know who are getting inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame is broadcasters and writers are quizzing you about stuff, and it's just different. Stockton alone going through those press conferences, it was different. You could feel it just working for a local TV station, walking the arena. When the conference final started, the level of hype went way up because the national media wasn't divvied up. It didn't feel like the regular season anymore. It didn't feel like the first round anymore. It was different. And I wonder if they'll get that on Zoom, you know? It, it, it may just feel different because you don't, you know, just... It's not the same. It's not the same as a physical presence walking in a room and a gazillion flashbulbs going off. You know, when they do those media scenes in, in movies and TV, it's usually way overplayed. That kind of stuff happens occasionally. That's where it happens. It was different in a conference final. And you name a star, they got beat on a, in a conference final or an NBA final. Now, for the Jazz, they got to get there first. You know, and it looks like this first-round series will probably be a very difficult matchup. And then so will the second. But for the people who want the whole enchilada, Steph Curry had the cheat code. Maybe Tim Duncan. Duncan's whole team had been through it, but he hadn't personally been through it. So I don't know whether how to count them. That's kind of a gray area. I think Mitchell will be just fine, man. Give him his health. Give him the ball. I think good things will happen. All right, coming up, PGA Championship Preview. Brian Taylor, Real Golf Radio. Join us next. Stay with us.